Chapter 18 of Elsie's Womanhood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Elsie's Womanhood by Martha Finlay. Chapter 18. Oh, what passions then! What melting sentiments of kindly care on the new parent sees! Thompson's Agamemnon. There is none in all this cold and hollow world, no fount of deep, strong, deathless love, save that within a mother's heart. Mrs. Hemans. Finding it so evidently the wish of both her husband and his mother, Elsie quietly and at once assumed the reins of government. But with that mother to go to for advice in every doubt and perplexity, and with a dozen or more of well-trained servants at her command, her post, though no sinecure, did not burden her with its duties. She still could find time for the cultivation of mind and heart, for daily walks and rides, and the enjoyment of society both at home and abroad. Shortly after the return of the newly married pair, there was a grand party given in their honour at Roselands, another at Ashlands, one at Pinegrove, at the Oaks, and several other places. Then a return was made, by a brilliant affair, of the kind at Ion. But when at last this rather wearying round was over, they settled down to the quiet home life, much more congenial to both, always ready to entertain with unbounded hospitality, and ignoring none of the legitimate claims of the outside world, they were yet far more interested in the affairs of their own little one, made up of those nearest and dearest. They were an eminently Christian household, carefully instructing their dependents in the things pertaining to godliness urging them to faith in Jesus, evidenced by good works, trying to make the way of salvation very clear to their often dull apprehension, and to recommend it by their own pure, consistent lives. Night and morning all were called together, family and house servants, and Mr. Travilla read aloud a portion of scripture, and led them in prayer and praise. Nor was a meal ever eaten without God's blessing having first been asked upon it. There was but one drawback to Elsie's felicity, that she no longer dwelt under the same roof with her father. Yet that was not so great, as a day seldom passed, in which they did not meet once or oftener. It must be very urgent business or a severe storm that kept him from riding or driving over to Ion, unless his darling first appeared at the Oaks. Aunt Wealthy and Lottie came to Ion within a fortnight after the return from Viamede, and while the former divided the rest of her stay at the south between Ion and the Oaks, Lottie spent nearly the whole of hers with Elsie. In May, Harry Duncan came for his aunt, and Miss King returned with them to her paternal home. Our friends at Ion and the Oaks decided to spend their summer at home this year. We have travelled so much of late years, said Rose, that I am really tired of it. And home is so dear and sweet, added Elsie. I mean both Ion and the Oaks, Edward and Papa, for somehow they seem to me to be both included in that one dear word. That is right, responded her father. Yes, we seem to be all one family, said Mr. Travilla, contentedly fondling Rosebud, whom he had coaxed to a seat upon his knee. And like a good spouse, I vote on the same side with my wife. I too, said his mother, looking affectionately upon them both. I have no inclination to travel, and shall be much happier for having you all about me. The summer glided rapidly by, and vanished, leaving at Ion a priceless treasure. It was a soft, hazy, delicious September morning. Elsie sat in her pretty boudoir, half reclining in the depths of a large velvet-cushioned easy-chair. Her husband had left her a minute before, and she was, 
no, not quite alone, for her eyes were turning with a sweet new light in them, upon a beautiful rosewood crib, where, underneath the silken covers, and resting on pillows of eiderdown, lay a tiny form, only a glimpse of the pink face and one wee doubled-up fist to be caught, through the lace curtains so carefully drawn about the little sleeper. A familiar step was heard in the outer room. The door opened quietly, and Elsie, looking up, cried, "'Papa!' in a delighted yet subdued tone. "'My darling,' he said, coming to her and taking her in his arms. "'How nice to see you up again. But you must be careful, very, very careful, not to overexert yourself.' "'I am, my dear father, for Edward insists on it and watches over me, and baby too, as if really afraid we might somehow slip away from him. He is quite right.' there you must not stand recline in your chair again while i help myself to a seat by your side how are you to-day i think i never felt better in my life papa so strong and well that it seems absurd to be taking such care of myself not at all you must do it you seem to be alone with your babe i hope you never lift her no sir not yet that i shall not has been my husband's second order mammy is within easy call just in the next room and will come the instant she is wanted let me look at her unless you think it will disturb her rest oh no sir and the young mother gently drew aside the curtain of the crib the two bent over the sleeping babe listening to its gentle breathing ah oh, papa i feel so rich you don't know how i love her whispered elsie don't i my daughter don't i know how i love you and his eyes turned with yearning affection upon her face then back to that of the little one six weeks old to-day and a very cherub for beauty aunt chloe tells me she is precisely my daughter over again and i feel as if i had now an opportunity to recover what i lost in not having my first-born with me from her birth little elsie grandpa feels that you are his his precious treasure the young mother's eyes grew misty with a strange mixture of emotion in which love and joy were the deepest and strongest her arm stole round her father's neck dear papa how nice of you to love her so my precious darling she is yours too almost as much as edward's and mine and i am sure if we should be taken away and you and she be left you would be the same good father to her you have been to me much better i hope my dear daughter i was far too hard with you at times but i know you have forgiven it all long ago papa dear papa please don't ever again talk of of forgiveness from me i was your own and i believe you always did what you thought was for my good and oh what you have been and are to me no tongue can tell or you to me my own beloved child he answered with emotion the babe stirred and opened its eyes with a little cuckoo let me take her said mr dinsmore turning back the cover and gently lifting her from her cosy nest elsie lay back among her cushions again watching with delighted eyes as her father held and handled the wee body as deftly as the most competent child's nurse it was a very beautiful babe the complexion soft smooth and very fair with a faint pink tinge the little finely formed head covered with rings of golden hair that would some day change to the darker shade of her mother's whose regular features and large soft brown eyes she inherited also sweet little flower blossomed into this world of sin and sorrow elsie dearest remember that she is not absolutely yours her father's or mine but only lent you a little while to be trained up for the lord yes papa i know she answered with emotion and i gave her to him even before her birth 
i hope she will prove as like you in temper and disposition as she bids fair to be in looks papa i should like her to be much better than i was he shook his head with a half incredulous smile that could hardly be if she has any human nature at all ah papa you forget how often i used to be naughty and disobedient how often you had to punish me particularly in that first year after you returned from europe a look of pain crossed his features daughter dear i am full of remorse when i think of that time i fully deserved the epithet travilla once bestowed upon me in his righteous indignation at my cruelty to my gentle sensitive little girl what was that papa she asked with a look of wonder and surprise dinsmore you're a brute papa how could he say that and the fair face flushed with momentary excitement and anger towards the father of her child whom she so thoroughly respected and so dearly loved ah don't be angry with him said mr dinsmore i was the culprit you cannot have forgotten your fall from the piano-stool which came so near making me childless it was he who ran in first lifted you and laid you on the sofa with the blood streaming from the wounded temple over your curls and your white dress ah i can never forget the sad sight or the pang that shot through my heart with the thought that you were dead it was as he laid you down that travilla turned to me with those indignant words and i felt that i fully deserved them and yet i was even more cruel afterwards when next you refused to obey when i bade you offend against your conscience don't let us think or talk of it any more dear father i love far better to dwell upon the long years that followed full of the tenderest care and kindness you certainly can find nothing to blame yourself with in them yes i governed you too much it would probably have ruined a less amiable temper a less loving heart than yours it is well for parents to be sometimes a little blind to trivial faults and i was so strict so stern so arbitrary so severe my dear be more lenient to your child but of course she will never find sternness in either you or her father i think not papa unless she proves very headstrong but you surely cannot mean to advise us not to require the prompt cheerful implicit obedience you have always exacted from all your children no daughter though you might sometimes excuse or pardon a little forgetfulness when the order has not been of vital importance he answered with a smile there was a moment's silence then looking affectionately into her father's face elsie said i am so glad papa that we have had this talk edward and i have had several on the same subject for we are very very anxious to train our little one aright and i find that we all agree but you must be tired acting the part of nurse please lay her in my arms i am not tired but i see you want her he answered with a smile doing as she requested ah you precious wee pet you lovely lovely little darling the young mother said clasping her child to her bosom and softly kissing the velvet cheek papa is she really beautiful or is it only the mother-love that makes her so in my eyes no she is really a remarkably beautiful babe strangers pronounce her so as well as ourselves do you feel quite strong enough to hold her oh yes sir yes indeed the doctor says he thinks there would now be no danger in my lifting her but laughingly and with a fond look up into her husband's eyes as at that moment he entered the room that old tyrant is so fearful of an injury to this piece of his personal property that he won't let me that old tyrant eh he repeated stooping to take a kiss from the sweet lips and to bestow one on the wee face resting on her bosom yes you know you are she answered her eyes contradicting her words 
the idea of you forbidding me to lift my own baby my baby my little friend he said gaily elsie laughed a low silvery happy laugh musical as a chime of bells our baby she corrected but you have not spoken to papa ah we said good morning out in the avenue dinsmore since we are all three here together now suppose we get elsie's decision in regard to that matter we were consulting about very well what matter she asked looking a little curious a business affair replied her husband taking a seat by her side i have a very good offer for your new orleans property daughter said mr dinsmore shall i accept it do you think it advisable papa and you edward i have great confidence in your judgments we do we think the money could be better and more safely invested in foreign stock but it is for you to decide as the property is yours more safely invested i thought i had heard you both say real estate was the safest of all investments usually replied her father but we fear property there is likely to depreciate in value well papa please do just as you and my husband think best you both know far more about these things than i do and so i should rather trust your judgment than my own then i shall make the sale and i think the time will come when you will be very glad that i did mr dinsmore presently said good-bye and went away leaving them alone are not your arms tired little wife asked mr travilla no dear ah it is so sweet to have her little head lying here to feel her little form and know that she is my own own precious treasure he rose gently lifted her in his arms put himself in the easy chair and placed her on his knee now i have you both darling do you know that i love you better to-day than i ever did before ah but you have said that many times she answered with an arch yet tender smile and it is always true each day i think my love as great as it can be but the next i find it still greater and i have felt angry with you to-day for the first time since you told me of your love her tone was remorseful and pleading as though she would crave forgiveness angry with me my dearest in what can i have offended he asked in sorrowful surprise papa was saying that he had sometimes been too hard with me and had fully deserved the epithet you once bestowed upon him in your righteous indignation it was when i fell from the piano-stool do you remember ah yes i can never forget it and i called him a brute but you will forgive what occurred so long ago and in a moment of anger aroused by my great love for you forgive you my husband ah it is i who should crave forgiveness and i do though it was a momentary feeling and now i love you all the better for the great loving heart that prompted the exclamation we will exchange forgiveness he whispered folding her closer to his heart End of chapter 18